Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Against Florida, it's like when they started playing and like, all right, maybe I sort of underestimated Florida a little bit where, you know, you could tell these guys had some dudes who could play. These are the tales of college football past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off field moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. I'm Joe. And I'm Kyle. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college football stories. My name is Brett Ludwizak, and I'm going to tell you the story of the 2006 Ohio State football season. As you know, the Ohio State football team in 2006, they came into the season as the top-ranked team. There was plenty of expectations following how they ended their 2005 season. They, to close out the 2005 season, they beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. There was a lot of hype with Troy Smith. Ted Ginn, and a number of other returning starters. And they were, like I said, the top-ranked team. And from there, the season was a magical ride, but it didn't end the way that I was hoping for. But, <laughs> I mean, as a as someone who moved to Columbus in 2005, you know, that was a fun ride, and even that just – build the anticipation for 2006 and how it went. So in, in my second year, I mean, the, you know, the stakes were raised even more. I mean, Ohio State's a powerhouse program, but it was, you know, coming in the, coming into the season ranked as the number one team with national championship aspirations. I mean, I was really excited, you know, especially maybe get a little re- revenge on Texas uh, you know, for what they did in the horseshoe with uh, Vince Young the previous year. I go down to Austin, you know, trying, and that was, I think that was a one versus two game too. You know, mm-hmm. there was a couple of them that, that year, but uh, I mean, it pretty much you knew from there, that was one of those big season games that we see more and more these days. And, you know, we pretty much knew if Ohio State could get through Texas, it was going to set up a showdown with Michigan later in the season. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, we talked about BCS a little bit earlier, like, do you do you think that there were more or less of the uh, big games like that scheduled during the BCS era or now? I feel like I feel like there's more now, um, just because there's a little more room for error in a way with the because now you're taking four teams instead of just two. So, and I feel like. Ohio State now, even with the, how they're doing their scheduling, it seems like they at least have one big game in the season each season, non-conference game that is, 
um, where before it was, it, you didn't see that quite as much. I know there's the Texas games, but a lot of times their big games were the conference games where they schedule a little in the, in the non-conference portion of it, you know, from what I can remember. And, but now it's like, all right, coming up, you have Notre Dame, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, you know, just every year, it seems like there's at least one big game that they're playing. Yeah, it wasn't as common back then. Certainly, yeah. I, I think you could like, especially certain ones of those types of deals, you could, uh, of the computers that were involved in the BCS, you could get away with a poor schedule. And mm -hmm. so some of the conferences that had good teams in the conferences, the SEC, the Big Ten, they like to get away with, you know, milking the schedule a little bit. And nowadays, you can't quite do that as much. Yeah, it, it seems like teams are a little more, they step out of their comfort zone a little bit more. You know, they'll, they'll take on, you know, some of the other high-profile teams in that. Now, you know, with some teams like Alabama, it seems like all those big games in the non-conference are at a neutral site, you know, which, you know, I, I hate the neutral site games, but, you know, but then there's also teams that are, you see, like, seems like LSU travels a lot more north, you know, in that way. And there's other teams, you know, like Oklahoma came up to Ohio State, you know, back in a few years ago there, too. So, yeah, it's always nice to get those home and home, home and home. It just it's so, it feels so much more like college football than just some sterilized play game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's tough too because you only have like one of those dates a year, so you have to set them up. Like I know that like we're already talking about like twenty thirty that like teams are scheduling, and like yeah, there's some like blue bloods in there, and there's teams that you think are going to be good, but they've definitely like scheduled some of those games that are like i'm not talking about like ohio state but just in general there's definitely been games scheduled that at the time they were like huge games like i'm thinking like the tcus and stuff like that like you're scheduling tcu but it's like seven years later and they're like not good so now that game like sucks and, it, and it's not going to help you and like you know a, a conference game will help you more in terms of a strict schedule than uh than one of those. So it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword with that, just because it's not basketball where you can schedule, you have a whole bunch of open dates and you can like pick your pick your schedule non-conference. Um, so it's it's interesting, but I'm glad that teams are starting to realize that um, that they have to play these games to kind of to kind of get in and, and to be legitimate and uh, and all that. But yeah, definitely it was it was more rare like at the time. So it was cool to see the, the Texas home and home um, and some of the other ones that have popped up for sure too. Yeah. I remember cause I went to the 2005 Texas game in Columbus and when the 2006 game happened, I was back, back in New York. I was back in the Buffalo area with friends for the game. And like, Obviously, I didn't go to Ohio State, and so they're, you know, they're like, oh, it's just another Saturday night. I'm like, no, it's Ohio State, Texas, you know. You're like, get pumped for this, you know, and like, like okay, whatever. And, you know, yeah, so, you know, we partied for the game and everything like that. But, like, I was the only one, like, all right, you know, watching the TV intently as, like, you know, things are going down. And, yeah, and then it was the celebration was even better because back at the time, Buffalo – their bars were up in a four or so when you're 20, 22, 27. I can't remember how old I was back then, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, not only did we win, but now I get to go out and 
you know, <laughs> at least celebrate a win too. So, well, <laughs> I, mean, I found that. I found that to be a function of just being from like the Northeast as well. So being from Massachusetts, like, and being super into college football and like people will have it on up there. Obviously there, there are college football fans in pockets, but I mean, for the Northeast, like the only people that care about Boston college are like people that went to Boston college, like no one else likes them. And they're not like a huge national name either. So it's, it's very much different where I'm currently am in the South. And obviously when I lived in Ohio for a few years, so it was like, kind of like finding my people a little bit. Cause I've definitely been in those situations watching. I remember the, uh, the Clemson LSU game on new year's Eve in 2012, which kind of like kicked off. There was like a last second field goal. It kind of like kicked off the, like Clemson is good era. Um, and I remember we had like 50 people over in my apartment. Uh, just for a New Year's Eve party, and I was like the only one that like cared about watching <laughs> watching the game. So it was glad that I was glad that obviously they won, and they, it was like on a, a like walk off field goal. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely feel that pain too of of being super excited for like just not just football, but just sporting events in general, and then having them like you be the only one that like feels that way. And I think like, you know, going to a school like Ohio State, but then being from an area where like college football is not as big, it's like, it's it's very different for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it, it, and it's funny because the same people, you know, it's like they were there on New Year's Day. I was there when they did the first outdoor hockey game and everything. And I got, you know, a couple of, a couple of friends there out in like the hallway playing like, hockey you know in the hallway and i'm like all right i love hockey and all but you know it's new year's day and i'm pretty hungover so. <laughs> right but well this last season i i mean i think this 2006 season was like all right you started out with northern illinois right give yeah. a nice thumping you're supposed to you roll into the texas game and that's a revenge game right and so it, it, this is not one that's, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to go Ohio State. This was all eyes on college football. All football fans were watching this game, regardless of what conference or school you went to. This was two of the top three or four teams. I don't care who your rankers are. This was a huge game. Yeah, I mean, Texas coming off the national title, obviously Vince Young wasn't. Yeah, had moved on in the NFL, but you know, Colt McCoy was pretty hyped, and you know, it's it's one of those things where I knew Ohio State had the players to be able to beat Texas. It's just actually seeing it, especially after seeing it in person the year before, where they didn't win. Uh, you know, and then with so many guys coming back to you know with with Troy with Ted Ginn. Uh, Antonio Pittman, Anthony Gonzalez, you know, the list goes on and on with all those guys. And it's just to see them not only win, but really just dominate that game. You know, that's, you know, what was like, all right, this team could be really special. You know, they have what it takes to be able to win a national title where, you know, you know, when they're, when they're playing, you know, together, you know, there's really not anyone that I thought they could beat them. And so, I mean, after that, especially after that second game, you know, just, I was just ready for the rest of the season to, you know, see how it played out and, you know, obviously take a national championship. So, then, Texas goes down, Colt McCoy, 
His, uh, his this is his first starting year, like you said, Vince Young. He's done. He they finally figured out that as long as you told him, hey, either like throw it to somebody or just run, dude. Uh, that was their offense the year before, and nobody could stop it. Nobody had ever come up with this whole. I mean, that was the year I believe Mac Brown basically came up with the with the quarterback draw that that you know uh, zone read draw type offense. I mean, he just you know put it in this guy's gut, and if this guy's coming at you, run away. And if this guy's not coming at you, hand the ball to your running back. And they dominated the college circuit like that. You know, they invented something nobody had done before from a, uh, you know, from a shotgun position, right? I mean, they'd done it from different styles uh, before with the pistol and the, you know, the wing and all the, all the different stuff back in the 70s and 80s, 60s. But, man, that was new. And Colt McCoy, he was no Vince Young. He's not going to run like that. Uh, so yeah, you got a new offense and you just dominated. I mean, just shut down that team. I remember watching that game. It was domination. I mean, 24 seven was the score, but domination. Yeah. It, it felt like the, it's game that could, you know, they could have won by like two, at least two more scores in there, mm-hmm. but you know, just the way Jim Trestle, his, the way his teams were a lot, it's like, all right, you know, they get the game under control and then they just sort of, they trestle ball it away, you know, where, you know, they wouldn't really embarrass, you know, they wouldn't leave any doubt to it, but they also not, it's such a change from now how Ohio State had to run under Urban Meyer where like you needed style points, you know, you needed to put up 50, 60 points to be able to, you know, get, get the voters, get the committee on your side there, you know, where, you know, Jim Trestle is just like, Oh yeah, we're up. Two, three scores, all right. Let's pack it in, guys. Let's just sort of make no mistakes and you know go home <laughs> with a win there. So it, you know, you're just seeing how things are a little different now. Where you know, it's not like a baseball where you know you've been written rules. You don't want to show up, people. Where you know, teams now, you know, you almost have to if you're on the fence of maybe a playoff spot, you have to run through people and just put as many as you can on the board. That's the old, uh, you know, Barry Switzer era where he said, hey, you know, you're supposed to hang a half a hundred on them because if you expect your second and third string to get a chance to play, you better get to 50 as fast as possible. And these guys are here working as hard as you are, and they deserve a shot at a college football game. So, like, I mean, there's there's different ways to look at it, but, you know, that that's the way I always learned college football, you know, from the OU lens of, you know, you put it on them. And then you back off by putting in your your youngsters. Yeah, and it's like you know, for all the you know uh, people don't like oh, running score. Well, you don't want to run the score. Stop them. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, <laughs> you know, for me, it's like all right. You know, if if we can't stop you, then yeah, go ahead, and put more points on the board. You know, it's it's almost like that Iowa. You know, when Ohio State went into Iowa and just got you know. It was like 55-24 that they lost back in 2016 or whatever. It's like, so yeah, like, you know, you wanted it to be, you know, you don't want to score 55 on you? Well, do something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, luckily on my end, I've been on more of where they're dishing out the punishment instead of right. having to, you know, take it. So <laughs> it, it, I guess it's a little more easier for me to understand in a way too. But, but yeah, it's, 
and, and as the season went on with Ohio State, you sort of saw that, you know, you know it just kept building and building in terms of early in the season, they sort of, you know, they let opponents maybe hang around a little bit where as they kept going, you know, you saw where they had a little more of that killer instinct, you know, in building towards that Michigan game. So, you know, after after the Texas game, then they beat up on Cincinnati. But the next game that was like a real, a real important game for the Buckeyes, and actually it was one of the games that the one game I was at was back in is when they played. And I remember because I was sitting in the South stands and it was just pouring. It seemed the whole the whole day it was just rainy, sort of late September day. So it wasn't very cold. It wasn't like it was cold or anything, but it was just like almost had like a sort of tropical rain feel. And just the first half was just brutal to watch. Where I think it was Penn State went went in the halftime like up three to nothing. So there wasn't a whole lot to actually cheer about. But as as they came back from the halftime there, Ohio State they scored a couple of touchdowns and then. Really, it was the final score. I mean, you know, at least I got gave something to absorb, you know, on that in that way. It's not quite, you know, maybe it would have been better if he was if he wore like those, if you remember, like the shorts that could also be jeans where you could zip them off, you know, that seemed like it would be like a Jim Trussell type thing, too. You know, just be prepared for all the elements, you know, (laughs) yeah, he was. And at the time, too, that was where Joe Paterno was coaching. Um, I remember because, like I said, I was sitting sort of in the scoreboard side, which is the opposite from the giant flagpole they have. And it was like either first or second quarter. I just see like Paterno. That's the game where he sort of ran off the field. And, you know, I think he had to use the facilities there. But, (laughs) you know, he's sort of up close there as you know. And it's the age before like Twitter too, where you can like, oh, look at your phone and see what's going on. And we're like, oh, why is Joe Paterno, you know, running off the field there? So <laughs> yeah, everything must have been fine since he returned there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, just how the just how phones have changed their, the information age now. <laughs> it's different now. Mm-hmm. And then really from there the next sort of test for Ohio state was um, a couple weeks later when they had to go to Iowa. And now I remember that game because it was more, it was a night game. And I did watch the game at, they had just built like the Buffalo wild wings on Lane <laughs> and high in Columbus, which is you know, right. Yeah. You know, campus area there. And it was like a two story one. They had like sort of rooftop there. So, well, you know, I'm not really fond of Buffalo wild wings because I being from Buffalo and I know actually how wings should taste, you know, when you're about 22 years old in college, you know, it's like, all right, you'll go anywhere with a big crowd and cold beers. <laughs> a, but it was one of those prime game games where, you know, Ohio State has to go on the road, sort of like the Texas game, except for just in the Big Ten, you know, under the lights at Kinnick. And and they it's it's another game that they really didn't have too much problem with. They they won a lot more convincingly than they did the Penn State game there. And, you know, somehow the Buckeyes, they 
Drew Tate was the quarterback at the time, and yeah, they gave him nothing but problems, it seemed like. Domination station. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that sort of started like a trend of, you know, how that season went, you know, where they were, they weren't really, after that Iowa State game, or excuse me, Iowa, um, they kept, it seemed like the margin of victory just sort of kept getting bigger and bigger to a point. Um, but then, too, it was, you know, like you had the Texas night game early. It was in that sort of era before, like when Urban Meyer came to Ohio State, he had, you know, his big thing was he wanted, he wanted Ohio State playing in prime time. You know, he wanted the Buckeyes to showcase, you know, for a lot for recruiting purposes. Um, where you didn't really get too much of that with when Trestle was in charge. I mean, Ohio State would have night games here and there, but it seemed like a lot of the times that they did, it was away from home. And this season, the 2006, they didn't have any night games at Ohio Stadium, but, I mean, this was, you know, now it's almost like for some of these teams, it's automatic that they're going to want to put the Buckeyes in prime time if they can, you know, get you know maybe maybe a little more intimidation factor. I'm pretty sure if Purdue ever plays the Buckeyes again in West Lafayette, it's going to be a night <laughs> game after that. <laughs> One a few years ago, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's just I I just love night games a little bit more. I mean, I'm not a fan of the sort of early early kickoff. The sort of three thirty ish Eastern time. I'm I love that one because it's like perfect in between. You know, it's not too early, it's not too late, but there's just something something special about night games and you know, even more so when you're in college and you can you know, like, all right, you know, we're gonna go whether we're gonna go out and win or lose, we're gonna keep partying after. So <laughs> after partying all day. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the tailgate scene. So, you know, one of the things Matt always asks about, and I'll go ahead and derail a little bit since Matt's not here, but uh, like if we were to come up as a as a group from like, okay, we're going to come hang out and thanks for, for joining our show and you're going to take us out and maybe we hang out the night before, maybe the day before, maybe we there's a golf course, maybe there's some restaurants we go to, a night scene. Like, what are we doing if we get up to Columbus and we're going to hang out for a couple of days and we're going to go on Saturday to a game? What are we doing? So, if you got into town on Friday, I and now it'd be perfect if it was like sort of like November and you know, October, November, because it'd be per to try and maybe work at a Blue Jackets game hockey-wise so you could get that, too. Um, now, there's a lot of the short north, which is just south of campus there. They, they're all right. You know, there's some, there's some you know, decent places. There are places I'm like, eh, nah. um, I'm a bigger fan of sort of the brewery district in the which is a little just a little bit south of downtown there um now german village area too where german village if you've ever watched a buckeye night game and they did like todd blackledge's taste of the town 
I think he might have went to Thurman's once, which they they or any like broadcast will show like that giant burger where it's like you know four or five pounds of just everything on it. You know, if you want a challenge, yes, I would take you to Thurman's, and they do have great burgers there. Um, so that that'd be a great place to go. Uh, I mean, just for the nostalgia, you know, some of the campus spots. Sadly, some of them are disappearing um, to go in for like new, like mixed use apartments, which who cares about that? <laughs> and where my favorite on campus bar is Outer End, which, you know, at least the closest to the stadium there. So they're more famous for like Sunday Mondays where they had their mug night. And when I was in school, luckily back then it was like, all right, you get a mug for like five bucks and your first, and that includes your first fill. And then you get like, after that, a dollar for like 20 ounce, like Bud or Miller Lite or whatever, but you know, a dollar for a beer, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, but still, even though, you know, Mug Night, it's gone up, but it's a great place to go. Um, I know plenty of other Ohio State friends when they're coming into town. It's like one of their things they have to do is go to go to Outer End, relive some of that nostalgia. So that's the most nostalgic place that, um, that I'd say. And there's just so many good restaurants that it's so hard to it's so hard to quantify. It just really depends on what you like. Like, um, and they have a mixture of everything here too. So that's the nice thing about like Columbus, where you have so many different people coming in. You know, you can find so many different you know cuisines or different places to go. So it that's what I love about it is you can find about anything here. It's not too big of a city, but it's also um, it's not like a Chicago or New York where you're going to have problem, you know, with traffic or really have to worry about that at all. Um, you know, everything's within, it feels like about half an hour. <laughs> it, somewhere around the city, you can find what you're looking for. But, you know, so that's just it. And then depending on, I've had friends come, come down for concerts or football games too. So, I mean, like I said, I, I did take them to Outer End, which they love that. It seems like everybody does. And, and it it just depends on who's coming in and what I'm going to show them. So, and like, like I know with us talking before, you said, you know, you love brewing your, you love brewing beer. So there's a bunch of breweries I take, you know, Land Grant, there's Seventh Sun, there's, you know, North High Brewing. So, and me and a couple of friends, we actually did this one year for, we did like made our own little brewery tour of Columbus. And so one day we went to like four or five different breweries there. So yeah, plenty, you know, for anybody who comes here, plenty to do. Awesome. So unlike all of the offenses that were playing Ohio state in 2006, there was plenty to do, right? Yes. I mean, pretty much <laughs> if you look at that year, did anyone score? Like, I mean, uh, up until the final game of the season, uh, when, you know, there was just nobody could put up points against Ohio State. That defense was dominant. It's almost like, yeah, you you see some of the games, the Ohio State defense probably, uh, you know, for a while, it's almost like they scored more points than the opposing <laughs> offenses there. You know, like, like I said, they had the two interception returns against Penn State and a number of other you know, returns during the year, too. I mean, and just that leader of that defense was James Arnitis. Uh, he was coming off a 2005 where right at the end of the year Bobby Carpenter broke his fractured his leg against Michigan so Lerner I said to step in for the uh, Fiesta Ball played great in it and then 
that just sort of snowballed into next year and you know just up the hype especially after having to replace carpenter and aj hawk both went to the nfl following the 2005 season so i mean he's the most notable player from that defense there but you know even when looking back at some of the other guys who were um part of that defense like malcolm jenkins um you know I think he's still floating around the NFL there. Yeah, he was he was great to watch there. I mean, just you know, as you had James, you know, Laurinaitis quarterback in the linebackers there, Jenkins did the same thing for the secondary. And then on the defensive line, I mean, you had threats with uh, Vernon Golston's, you know, say what you will about his NFL career, but he was a monster at Ohio State. And then Quinn Pickock, too. I mean, you know, those a number of other threats on the defensive line, but those were the two main guys. So, I mean, at each level of the defense, you had, you know, stars who, you know, had, were showed the potential to play in the NFL and some went on and had success there. For sure. So as you're kind of getting later into, uh, into the season, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the Illinois game at all before kind of getting to, uh, getting to the big one the one another game that sort of stood out to me just from remembering back to it um and it wasn't a threat at all you know once the game started but was the michigan state game because mm-hmm. just because of how much trouble ohio state had with michigan state during years like you know like 1998 where ohio state they were the favorite to go to the national title game and it, then Michigan State comes into Columbus and just yeah upsets them there. So that game, while I knew Michigan State wasn't the better team, that was the one game that did scare me going in just because of history. And then once the game started, it's like okay, yeah, I really didn't have anything to be worried about there, <laughs> you know. And I guess I got, I, I guess. But it was about 10 years too late because I think it was back in 2015 there where Michigan State did beat Ohio State when they were, again, when they were, the you know, sort of the, they should have been in the national title game or the playoff at that time. But, but yeah, just going into it, I was a little uneasy about it, but, you know, it, it was me overthinking things. <laughs> I could tell once it, get, once it started. But, yeah, the, um, yeah, the Illinois game, that always seems – in, in sort of the same way as the Michigan State, it sort of seems like you get weird years where Illinois gives Ohio State problems more so in Champaign because it seems like that game's always like later in the year when the weather is just not great. You, you know, you get you get the weird winds of Champaign, and it, it's I remember a few other times where it's just like. Ohio State inexplicably struggled against Illinois. And this was sort of one of those games in a way. But going back to what I was saying, too, it's also like trestle ball, where, all right, they were they were up 17 to nothing, and then they just sort of, like, packed it in. You know, it's like, all right, well, here we are. We got a big enough lead that I think is going to hold. You know, let's not do anything else creative. And, you know, let's just sort of <laughs> ride this one out. And if we do things right, we should win, you know, that. That's how it 
you know, it wasn't an impressive win at all. I mean, a win's a win, but you know, the one time before the Michigan game that it seemed like they were really tested. And thinking back to, I remember the following year in Ohio, Ohio State was, I don't think they were undefeated going into the Illinois game. I think they had lost a game before, but I was actually at Ohio Stadium for the Illinois game where like Juice uh, Juice Williams and Rashard Mendenhall just sort of played keep away and won 20, 28-21 and Ohio State still went on to lose to LSU in the title game, but, you know, I, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, how did we lose that game? And it was just like, oh, uh, yeah, somehow Illinois always seems to, and they were a better team the following year, but, you know, it's just, Illinois is weird. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And it's only going to get weirder now with Brett Bielema there, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of your thoughts and, and kind of what everything was like uh, leading up to and like during and for the Michigan game. So, I mean, obviously there was, it was just crazy. And one versus two, it, it seemed like something that was almost like unheard of, you know, it, it's especially with the rivalry really never being one, you know, one against two before. And it, personally for me, it was an even weirder week because I somehow got like the Wednesday night of the game, I got like food poisoning or something. Cause I, there's a bar on campus and they were doing like a chicken eating contest. And like, I, <laughs> I don't know if the chicken was bad or maybe I just pushed myself too much, but like, you know, Wednesday night I got, you know, I just got sick and tradition back then was Ohio State had Mirror Lake, which the Thursday night before the Michigan game, you know, everybody goes and jumps in Mirror Lake. And it's just like this man-made lake in the middle of campus there. And and I did it the first year that I was lived, you know, at Ohio State. But uh, then I was like, you know, obviously wasted drunk. <laughs> Where that year, the next year I had to do it sober because I couldn't I tried to drink after like throwing up all night the night before but alcohol was not agreed with me at that time so I you know I but I knew I had to do it you know even though it's like middle of November and it, 
It's <laughs> it probably like 20 degrees outside and felt like the water temperature was like 40. So, I mean, it's so much, it was so much worse to do sober. <laughs> that was the tough part on that. Um, and then it, and then, then the, I think it, the next morning it came out that um, Bo uh, Schembechler passed away. I, I know he wasn't doing very well, but, and as if the, is this the game didn't need any more to hype it up? Now it's like, all right, Michigan's going to be playing for Bo. Uh, and even as if I wasn't already nervous enough for the game, I'm like, all right, now Michigan has even more motivation to be able, you know, in this game, which could, at the time, I'm thinking, all right, it can be a coin flip, you know, as much as I eh, hated Michigan, I knew, you know, they were going it, to, it was going to be close any anyhow. So, and here I am sitting there and coming off of the, you know, some sort of sickness and, you know, that didn't last. And somehow on that Friday night, I was able to, well, thanks to the power of some flour, but um, I was able to <laughs> drink Friday night and we decided to just, all right, stay up. Because one of the sort of things that we do is, or here they have kegs and eggs for like the Michigan game. So since the game's usually at noon, you know, bars will open up at like six and you know, have a little sort of breakfast, you know, eggs and sort of things like that. So yeah, we're like, all right, yeah, we can do this, you know? And so we're drinking Friday night and I'm, I was able to keep, keep everything down. And, and then and like, then all of a sudden we just hit it like a wall. And I forgot that that year, was one of the rare ones the game was at 3 30. So, so like yeah about 10 a.m we're sitting at a little bar on campus and we're just like oh my god we're so exhausted yeah it's just like how many more hours of the game usually it'd be about two hours of the game and he, now we have like five and a half hours and it's just like oh how are we gonna make it so sadly i didn't have tickets to the game there and but we had me and my one buddy, one of my roommates, we had a couple of friends watch with us. One of them came down from the Cleveland area. And, you know, we just sort of, you know, watched the game there. We were, you know, basically living and dying at every play, it seemed like. Yeah, just, I, there's very few sporting events that I, even to this day, that I've watched, kind of look back, I was just, like on the edge of my seat for like that, especially, yeah, and it's so much tougher. Now it's one thing if you're not even a fan of either team and watching it, you know, it's so exciting. This was a game that I'm thinking like even neutral observers could be like, whoa, this is good. You know, great game to watch where if you're a fan of either team, you're just ready to pull your hair out. I mean, and that game was extremely close. Mm -hmm. High scoring. One of like, I mean, maybe as many points scored against Ohio State in that game as were scored the entirety of the rest of the season, or at least somewhere close to it. Like, finally, that defensive wall was penetrated, and it was in that rivalry game against, like you said, one versus two. Just an epic battle as it was built up to be. Yeah, and, and it brings me back to a time, too, that, like, the rivalry has fallen fallen off so much just because Michigan's what they are now, where you know Ohio State's going out there and hanging like sixty on them every year. It's nowadays where it, it's 
it really hasn't been much in the last 15 years where that game has been competitive. And like the first two Ohio State Michigan I was in Columbus for, I mean, the one 2005, you know, Ohio State was trailing in the fourth quarter and had to come back and win 25 to 21. And then there's this game too. And after that, it's, there's not, there hasn't been a lot to get excited for when the, when they uh, square off. You know, you have that one game, 2016, I'll say, or something like that, where when went, went into double overtime and, you know, you had the Curtis Samuel touchdown. I mean, you have that, the one where Michigan nearly won on a two-point conversion. But, I mean, you can, you know, you only need one hand to count the close games since then. And, and you know, I, I wish it was sort of a little more even rivalry, but then again, a win's a win over your rival, no matter where they're at, right. you know, and earlier this, earlier um, this week, Jim Trestle, he's, he was saying, they, they asked him about, you know, when, about thoughts against the rivalry in Michigan, and he, he was saying, once we get to, you know, over 500 in the rivalry, you know, that's when I'll be able to sleep easy, and it's not getting too far away, because at this, they're oh, it's like 58, 51, and six that Michigan's above. And after you know, they could get there by the end of the decade if if things play out. But yeah, it's one of the last great Ohio State Michigan games, and probably probably the most memorable one in the rivalry. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I admired Trestle a lot. He bought me a tattoo uh, <laughs> while he was a coach of Ohio State, and so I've. I can't show you guys the tattoo. It's in a place that I probably shouldn't put on camera, but uh, Fine Line Inc. did a great job. I mean, they were pretty amazing. And so, I, you know, I'm really appreciative of everything Trestle did for me. It, some of the things, to, it's now you look at, you know, what he was fired or resigned, whatever, whatever, you know, what he was resigned for. I and mean, then compared to what's come out since then, it's like, all right, it wasn't really that bad you know it's like you're sort of heading in that direction towards the name image and likeness in there it's like at the time it seemed like a big deal but it's like really in the grand scheme of things <laughs> was it really all right you didn't report you know knowing about these things which yeah it's against the NCAA NCAA law or you know at the time but other schools were doing a lot worse I'm sure and you and, know and I almost feel like the things, yeah, maybe the things he did with when Claret was there and everything with the car dealership and all that. Yeah, that was a bigger deal to me than like tattoos for trinkets and everything. There. <laughs> or, yeah, I, I, one of the things that I remember they were saying, oh, back in the 80s, he was an assistant coach and he rigged some raffles. It's like, all right, <laughs> what are we really yeah. talking about here? <laughs> if you've ever been in a raffle and it's not rigged, you haven't been in a raffle. <laughs> Well, I, I was, I'd still figure there's somehow that he's going to like win the Ohio Vaximillion or something. It's like Jim Trestle heard, a, heard there's a raffle to be won and he's going to find a way to do it. So, <laughs> but I mean, all right. It, so it, the it, next it, thing that happens it, is the current coach, uh, Trestle, goes against the future coach to be, Urban Meyer, right? Yeah. That's what we're rolling into. Yeah, and it was so much, so much harder to sort of stomach in terms of not just now 
right now we're conditioned to, all right, usually teams, they're going to wrap up their seasons around December, you know, the first first weekend in December there, where, and then the playoffs going to be right around the first of the year in there. So, I mean, you've got about three weeks in between, or back then, especially for Ohio State, your season was done, like, before Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, because you didn't have a Big Ten championship game. And they were only playing, like, an 11-game season there, too. So, you know, there was so much where Florida, not only I think they played another regular season game, maybe, but then they also had the SEC championship game. So, not not only was there questions of who Ohio State was going to play because it was looking like maybe it could be Michigan again, but – and then you have Urban Meyer like politicking to be that team. Like Michigan already got their shot. Give us the shot, even though we have you know, even though we lost. Um, so I mean, there was a good week or two of that until it was revealed too. So I mean, that that was suspenseful in its own way. Where I almost like the I almost even though I don't really care for all the playoff shows. Like in October, all right, do we need Vikings back then? I, you know, I don't. Think we need that but you know and now it's like all right a lot of teams finish right around that same time where there's not that you know disparity of all right one team's played two you know two weeks or so you know later than where you know who they might be playing and that could make a lot of difference well yeah and i think back in those days sec was probably playing like lords of saint catherine's children's college or something like that you know i mean that was their last game of the season they were trying to make sure they powder puff the end of the season so that right before the hype of the sec championship game came up uh that they were ready to go so i almost feel like florida was um florida florida state and like that end of the season but in the sense for the sec championship game it didn't really make a difference but obviously for the the bcs yeah if Florida lost to Florida State, it would have, you know, knocked them out of contention there. But, yeah, I mean, but nowadays you see them, it's like, oh, they're going to play Jacksonville State or something in the week before the Florida State game. So, yeah. Can't remember exactly when the SEC started to play that game, but it was right around that era. Yeah, they they usually do a late bye. So it's like week eight or nine is a bye. Then week 10 is like a FCS team. And then they play their like rivalry game. Yeah, that's it's always at least at least we have the decency to get like our scrubs out of the way. All right, we'll play Bowling Green week week three or something like that. (laughs) Uh, And what's I've seen a lot more too lately is. Sometimes you'll get those, at least for Ohio State, like you already know you're finishing the regular season with Michigan. And then, which, you know, in the past, yeah, maybe it was a bigger deal in terms of quality. But I, I think one one year they played like Penn State the week before that. Um, you know, they've had some big games you know, right before the Michigan game sometimes where, you know, it's like, oh, man, this is sort of a – killer end of the season, you know, regular season, then you got to go the next week and play probably like a Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. So, I mean, it's still better than like the old system where they didn't have the Big Ten championship game, but it just overall, it's a little different because, and, and another thing too is where before the Ohio State-Michigan game felt like 
the Saturday before Thanksgiving, where now it falls the Saturday after. So I sort of like that a little bit more because it, it's it's a little more natural to me. It's like, all right, you, you know, here, go feast for Thanksgiving, sort of do whatever you do on Friday. A lot of times for me, it's working. But then Saturday, my one buddy, he has what he calls Shanksgiving, where a bunch of bunch of his neighbors come over and they'll bring any leftovers and he brews his own beer and there's a couple TVs set up and you know it's just just shenanigans and we there's never been a Thanksgiving where Ohio State's beat Michigan so, <laughs> so we're hopefully that trend will continue well that's beautiful so now here we are Tebow marches on to the field and says this is my team. What do you have, Ohio State? <laughs> I mean, at the time, I was feeling okay because I'm like, all right, we have the Heisman Trophy winner. It's like, yeah, you're <laughs> all right. Yeah, you got Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, but we got Trey Smith. And looking back on it, I'm like, even, you know, I'm preparing for this. I'm looking at sort of the stats for Trey Smith. I'm like, for a Heisman candidate, you know, for a Heisman Trophy guy, it wasn't really all that. I mean, he had some big games and everything like that, but then there's some, there's a lot that were sort of like, eh, all right. Like you look at some of the recent winners, and and I know football's changed where you know it's more pass happy now. So you you get guys like you know Baker, you know Tua, and all of them who you know going to put up huge stats, but you know. At the time, I was like, all right, he had like 30 touchdown passes during the season. It's like, man, Justin Fields, he had that in like, how many games? Like eight, nine games or something yeah, like that to get that people. many. It's like, yeah, it's like, he, 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 one of the things I'll say, even though, you know, stats wise, you know, they might not measure up to what their quarterbacks were today about Trey Smith. He's, he always made me feel just comfortable, you know, at least, at least up until that national title game there. It's like, all right, with the offense in his hands, all right, I'm, I'm not that nervous. You know, he can make the throws. He's got guys like Ted Ginn and Antonio Gonzalez. And, um, and then they had Antonio Pittman at running back as well as a young Chris Wells there too. So, I mean, he had command of that offense, you know, it just might've about that is, is just that time. And that sort of awards the face circuit, you know, sometimes you don't get their, you get the Heisman playing at their best in that, in that bowl game. Mm-hmm. So that was a little, that was a little tough uh, just to actually go and see it after being so confident in him the whole year. And then just how that game played out. That, that was, oh, that was, that was just, but in, <laughs> It was even for the game in general of coming, you know, going into it. You know, I, me and me and my roommate at the time, like we actually, it's like we were coming back from, you know, holidays away. You know, family. It's like, oh, yep, we got these. One of mine, I from somewhere I got like a Red Lobster gift card. He's like, all right, well, the national championship game tonight. Should we go maybe like celebrate a little early and you know go to some Red Lobster? You got that gift card. I'm like, yeah, all right. And then so yeah, we go. You know, about four or five o'clock we go, and then like we, we look across the street, like, well, there is a strip club across the street. Should we go there before we go? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
like that sounds like go, a wonderful idea. <laughs> you know? And and then it's like you get that, and I'm like, well, I don't have any, I don't have much cash on me because I wasn't expecting to go to one before. <laughs> you didn't have a gift and card, so you the get there, and you go to use the ATM, and it's Swipe like it. this is a nine ninety five <laughs> service fee. I'm like, I'm not paying that. And it's like, then you go to buy a, you know, buy drinks, and it's like. I'm gonna use my car. Yeah, you know, can I use my card? And the, the one waitress, she's like, comes back. She's like, "All right, I'm gonna need you to like sign your life away." And she's like, getting like fingerprints for me to pay with my card. I'm like, "Where am I?" You know? So I guess that should have been like a sign of things to come. Like with that weird experience there, and and then plus it's like six o'clock at a, you know, it's like six o'clock on a Monday night. Of course, the what was dancing wasn't all that great, but we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Hey, you know, it, it just didn't quite set the tone as much as we thought it was going to. But yeah, it. And then for there, I, you know, we went back to campus and walked, watched at a friend's house, and and <laughs> I'm surprised the you know apartment building's still standing because there was <laughs> even in the little apartment there, there there wasn't a lot of <laughs> very happy people there. <laughs> So a lot of even more hardcore Buckeye fans than me, which I'm sure right hard to believe. And looking back at it, like, yeah, it, and they just it, and it started so good too, where you know that you start a title game with what Ted Ginn did, and then like two seconds after he crossed the end zone, then the worst possible thing for Ohio State. Could <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that, that is, you're at such a high and then immediately such a low because you know that he's probably not going to be playing the rest of the game. So just so everybody is aware, right, we've got a returned kickoff for a touchdown, 93 yards, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so that's how you start. What happen two seconds after that? Roy Hall jumps on his back and, <laughs> and then somehow, you know, I, broken leg or something yeah he doesn't and and that's the one thing i don't i don't feel like he was he was sort of celebrating but it wasn't anything like egregious and like all of a sudden you know dudes come to pile on and that's how he hurts his ankle or and there and you know it's just like all right some guys just got a little overexcited but that's how and who knows how the game would have played out if he would have played but you know that certainly didn't help and with that the my one but like my roommate who we went to red lobster and all that he was at, he's actually a bears fan so not only did he see the ted ginn return a touchdown and then what happened to his team after like less than a month later he saw Devin hester return a touchdown in the super bowl and then the bears went on lose to the colts so as bad as my luck is like a buffalo sports fan is it, i feel <laughs> like no matter what it can't trump what <laughs> happened to just a month span to him you know i i you know i saw it firsthand but i can't imagine what he was even feeling <laughs> yeah it's plays and situations like that that just set the tone for a game that you just don't expect and so yeah you your your elation followed by just like a complete downpour of emotion oh my gosh like that was the best play ever. Oh wow, our most explosive player is out. He's done. And even as Buckeye fans, we saw that, like, not to that extent this year in the title game. 
But we like on their first offensive play, and I think at the time Alabama was up seven to nothing. But on their first offensive play, Trey Sermon, you know, he's coming off. 331 yards, a school record against Northwestern and doing what he did against Clemson. And, you know, he gets a shoulder injury. He can't play the rest of the game. So I, I still think Alabama would probably would have won handily in that game, but it changes things because now they knew that they weren't really going to have to worry about an Ohio State rushing attack possibly with that, which allowed them to key a little more on Justin Fields. So, you know, it's something about Buckeyes and, you know, sort of, first kickoffs or first offensive plays in title games, you know, doesn't mix sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then just from there, it, it sort of got, it, it got worse in, in 2006 against Florida. It's like when they started playing and like, all right, maybe I sort of underestimated Florida a little bit where, you know, you could tell these guys had some dudes who could play. And not only it, not only with, you know, you sort of Tebow was, I mean, he wasn't Tebow Tebow quite yet. I mean, he was, he was a freshman and, you know, he was starting to make his mark there, but you still had Chris Leak to sort of steady that more on a, you know, more he's taking most of the snaps. It seemed like where you could sort of mix in Tebow and then not just him, but, you know, you look at some of the guys on the defense too. I mean, Ohio state, Oh, it had a problem for a while with SEC teams. You know, you look at Florida the next year against LSU. Um, there was they barely beat, which sort of got you know. <laughs> we all saw them beat Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl there, but they had a struggle. They they almost blew that game too. You know, so you know, it took a little bit for them to sort of get over that. Once Urban Meyer showed up in Columbus to. You know, and then they beat Alabama to in the 2014 playoff there. You know, at least that sort of put that in, a little more in the back of the mind, you know, on that. But at the time, yeah, it was Ohio State couldn't beat the SEC was the narrative. And rightfully so, because it they they had a problem beating some of that speed that, you know, Jim Trestle teams were a little different than Urban Meyer teams, which were predicated on speed, where Trestle was like, all right, you had some speed guys mixed in with the guys who knew what they were doing. So, you know, it, it, you could tell, yeah, the athletes of Florida were a little, <laughs> had a little more to offer than Ohio State at the time. So, can you like wrap up the season for us? Like, what what was it like, kind of being on campus and and just being a part of it? I mean, you mentioned so they were they were number one in the polls all in rank not polls all year in rankings yeah. all year. You're you're very confident kind of throughout, and then kind of like what what happened from there? Like encapsulate the season for us. I mean, it was it was disappointing, and it was, I mean obviously. It was almost like campus. Campus was. It wasn't like those scenes where you, where you'd see after some of the other, or maybe a little earlier Ohio State Michigan games where you know burning couches and this and that. It's a lot more subdued because everybody, I think, was just in shock of you know, did that just really happen? You know, so that you know, and I remember that that night too. It was, I went out with a couple friends because 
it was another friend's birthday so it's like you sort of have to like all right we 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 can't like not go celebrate you just because the football team lost so but i did have one roommate he was he, you know he refused to go out <laughs> he's like i can't do it i can't do it so and that was it, it was very rough end of the season there um especially after how the season went leading up to it. One thing that did take away at least a little bit of pain was the basketball team, which you had at the time you had Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan, you know, a number of other guys in there. And that they were one of the top teams in the country at the time. And obviously Greg Oden, you knew he was probably leaving Ohio state after one year. So he was, able to um but and they went to the tournament and actually went to the title game which then they lost to florida so i mean about a four month span there which was really rough but you know same sort of thing where you thought you had the guys to be able to beat florida but florida just had that better team so i mean it was it was hard to stomach, but for me, it was a little easier to be able to handle it with my years of like Buffalo sports failures and like Super Bowls and Stanley Cups. So I'm like, oh, well, it's not that hard. And you know, this we time you do it, you can sort of drink through it. And that, that was about what it was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of shock in that where can't believe they played as bad as they did. For sure. Mm-hmm. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college football stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CFB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. It was a rough game. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the season. I mean, you're talking about, like, that's always the worst thing when your team plays so good during the entire season. And then that game, it's like, which team? Where did this team come from? We haven't seen this team. I feel like that's how like Notre Dame fans feel, you know, when they go to the playoff. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> a little cheap shot there, I guess. But, you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's still you getting there too, which sort of takes you know it helps ease it a little bit. It's like all right, yeah, you lost, but you're still one of the best college football teams in the country, and you know you were able to, you know, you. Well, you still lost to Florida. Well, you lost to Florida. You still beat Michigan. You know that's almost like a you know that's almost like a championship in itself. I mean, they give out those gold pants for him. So, yeah, obviously, it was something at least something big at the time. And with how storied that rivalry was when that happened and how big that game was, you know, that did help a little bit to be like cushion the blow a little in there. Um, but yeah, it, in 
another thing that did help it too is you know a few years it's not like one of these teams the schools that maybe have not gotten a championship before where all right we finally get there and we blow it where the Buckeyes they won you know they beat Miami you know a number of years before that and they since then they've been back to championships they haven't won a championship so I mean it's one of those things where yeah I was sad at the time and I dragged my pain away but it's like life goes on <laughs> that's the wonderful thing about sports is you know while you're so invested in it you know if it doesn't go your way all right you know <laughs> you're not the one playing you're rooting yes but it's a lot easier to play it off as you know if you're rooting for it then i can't imagine being one of those players in there and losing it i mean putting so much effort into it all year round and then just to go and have that happen you know that's what i don't want <laughs> i can't i can't fathom that Can you elaborate more on roller bus? Roller bus? <laughs> I, I can't. It, maybe I'm missing on that today. <laughs> I the <laughs> Ohio State band scandal of the uh, players and their alleged flying 69 formation on the bus? I did. I, I'll be honest, I was not aware of that. I know, this is sort of news to me. I don't, I, <laughs> so it's fine. You, you can't yeah. elaborate. It's fine. <laughs> people can, uh, can do their own research. Yeah. That's a funny one I'm gonna have to do, I'm going to do some research on that. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.